good morning. Come on, we got to get with it this morning. You're going to have to pick me up. I've got a little bit of a cold, so you're going to have to take over where I'm a little bit weak. So help me out here, okay? Tough crowd. You know, one of the things people are literally dying for these days is contentment. I mean, if you you talk to people and they're like, there's this spirit of discontent upon people right now. Many of us, even in this room, and we're, we're striving for contentment. We're striving to battle this feeling of discontent. And I think at times we miss the obvious in our attempt to receive contentment and peace and joy in life. Sometimes it's right in front of us and we don't don't even know. Christian author and speaker Bruce Larson Years ago, this is one of my favorite stories. I love this. I think I've told it a hundred times, but I think it's a great story. He writes about how he and his family were out for a bicycle ride in California. And they come upon this sign that says naturalist camp. And they're like, we're for nature. Let's go. And so the family goes riding off down the trail into this naturalist camp. And before they know it, Six riders come past them, all totally unclothed. Which, by the way, on a bike, come on. It's not my, I just, that's just me. That's my throw-in right there. But Bruce is trying to figure out, what am I going to say to my kids? What am I going to say to my children as, in response to seeing these naked people ride by on this camp? And... About a minute later, one of his sons says, Mm-mm-mm. they were not wearing helmets. <laughs> he just let it go from there. You're right, son. They're unsafe. Sometimes we miss the obvious in our attempt to battle what we would perceive as discontentment. In Colossians, it says this, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I mean, think about it. No matter what you do, word or deed, covers it, don't you think? No matter what you do, word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, but in an attitude of thanksgiving, in an attitude of gratitude, so to speak. The secret to discontentment overcoming is not striving to overcome discontentment, but at times beginning with the place that God has for us, which is this. Do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks. Giving thanks. And here's the reason I say that, is that we live in a nation of an ungrateful people. We live, you know, we're, uh, uh, 
Isaiah talks about, I live among a people of unclean lips. We live in a place and a people that have such a lack of gratitude for who they are, where they are, and what all is going on. And because we live with this constant spirit of, I deserve this, versus it's a blessing that's been given to me, it's a right of mine, rather than saying, thank you, God, for all you blessed me with, we look at what we don't have and say, I deserve this. As a result, we're not thankful because we think we deserve it, and then we come back to this place saying, I can't, I just can't get my contentment back. And I want to say the, the guilt lies right with us as much as the world. You know, we are a people who think we deserve. And this really isn't part of the sermon, but you can just bank it. That much of the theology that's painted as theology looks toward a God who has to do something in our life rather than we get to receive from him. We obligate God, then when we don't receive what we feel like we're obligated to receive as a result of whether it's wealth or health or peace or whatever a perfect life may look like, rather than being thankful, we look at God and say, why not me? And as a result, we're walking in discontentment rather than thanksgiving. So today, I want to talk about this thing about thanks. Who needs gratitude? I mean, really, isn't it a little overrated, this whole gratitude thing? No, I don't don't think it is. I think it is a key to a contented life, is living a life of thanksgiving for what God has given us. Remember last week when we looked at Philippians and the whole idea of community? And by the way, I don't usually do this, but that sermon for me was so important. If you weren't here last week and didn't hear the sermon on um, community and relationships, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to it because it's foundational for who we are. It's foundational for my life personally. So I, I don't usually say that really, but... I'm pushing you in that direction to go listen to it. But in that passage, Paul says this as he's talking to the church in Philippi. Remember, he's in chains and in Rome, and he's writing back to this church he loves, Philippi, Philippians. And he says this about them. I thank my God every time I remember you. Now, I commented on this last week about how really strong relationships begin with gratitude. That if I look at Ricardo and I say it about Ricardo... You know what? Ricardo is a pretty good guy, but he's lacking in these certain areas. Not that he is. I'm just using his name. Um, but, and, and, and I, I, look at, I look at what Ricardo doesn't give to me rather than what I can give to Ricardo, and our relationship is going to be strained. Because rather than giving thanks for Ricardo in every circumstance... Because who he is in Jesus and the brother in Christ God has made him to be. and The history we've been through together. Rather than thanking God for all these things, I'll look at the lack. And rather than the relationship being strengthened, it'll be weakened. I'm not preaching on relationships again, but it was really good. And 
my difficulty is that many people look at the relationships in their lives and rather than giving thanks for them, they look at what they lack in that relationship and as a result, the relationship is, has a level of discontentment. Can anybody say marriage? Come on. We look at our spouse and rather than thanking God for them, we look at what they lack, we look at what they're not providing, we look at any number of things, and then we wonder why our relationship isn't strong. I thank my God every time I remember you. Part of the first step in a great relationship, I think, is thanksgiving. Thanking God for the relationship. Really, guys, some of you, some of you should be more grateful for your wives. I mean, you should be grateful that anybody would marry you, much less <laughs> that wonderful woman that God has given you. I mean, really, I married so far above my head, it's just unbelievable. But if I look at Kathy and say, you know, she doesn't do this or doesn't do that, and focus on those things, I'm going to be ungrateful, right? So we want to look at the whole spirit of gratitude today. Who needs gratitude? Well, we all do. It's critical. So what are some steps? And I'm going to stay in Philippians most of the day, looking at a couple of passages, because it really is the epistle of thanksgiving. It's got so much thanks that Paul speaks about in here. I want to look at some various passages. And so I want to give you some helps in receiving gratefulness. Helps in receiving gratitude because it's critical. Come on. Are you with me? All right. First point is this. And this is going to seem obvious, but I just decided to go ahead and word it like I felt it. Number one, quit complaining. Just stop it. You know, when I first became pastor, I, I, I've told you before that, you know, I've really had to work on my people skills over the years. Um, and so someone would come and say, you know, pastor, I'm doing this. And, I, and my first thought would be just, well, stop it. Just quit it. That's my counseling technique, which I then discovered was not very all, all that helpful for people. You know, you're having trouble with this? Well, I, just stop it. You want to walk in an attitude of thanksgiving, though? Start getting control of your tongue and quit complaining. Now, again, I got a little bit of a cold, so it sounds harsher than I mean it, but just a little. Um, so here's what Paul says in Philippians 2, verses 14 through 18. He says this, do everything, everything, do everything without complaining or arguing. Why? So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. <clears throat> People, think about this. If we just stopped complaining, we'd be like stars on a black night. We would shine that bright. If we did one thing, we didn't argue, and number two, didn't complain. Do everything without arguing. He goes on and says this, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you so that you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Now, here's Paul's point. He's in chains in Rome. And he's giving thanks. Listen, Paul, 
Paul had reason to complain, is what I'm trying to point out. He has the possibility of being poured out as a drink offering. In other words, he could be killed, he's saying. This is not like, oh, I may go drinking with my buddies. This is not that kind of drink offering. He's, he's about, maybe, to be killed. It's the possibility. Now, tradition has it he gets released and then gets re-arrested. Either way, he's facing a possibility of death. He could complain, God, I've done all this stuff for you. And here I am in chains. What's going on? But Paul is saying, do it all without arguing or complaining. And then you'll stand out like a bright light. Listen, we, please, in all love, most of us are really gifted at complaining. We've become very good at it. We've become so good at it, we don't even know when we're doing it. We've been so good at it, we can even couch it in prayer request. We've become so good at it that if you're not careful, it just slips up on you. You don't even know it's coming out of your mouth. And I, I, I want to encourage us that if we're going to walk in a spirit of contentment and we want gratitude, one of the first steps is just quit complaining. Mark, Mark Twain said this. He said, don't complain and talk about all your problems. 80% of people don't care, and the other 20% will think you deserve them. <laughs> yeah. So it's not doing you any good. It's not doing you any good to complain. You think... You're putting yourself, when you complain, in a position where another person will have sympathy for you. But in fact, that's, it's, it's pretty much the opposite. You won't get the sympathy you think you deserve. And then you'll have something to complain about because you're not getting what you think you deserve. See, that's funny, but only in my head, I guess. Uh, <clears throat> it says in Psalm 77, In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained. And what happened? My spirit was overwhelmed. Paul, I mean, the, the author of, not Paul, the author of the Psalms is saying at this point, my complaining did not get me to where I wanted to be. It did not get me to the level of freedom. As a matter of fact, I was more overwhelmed. My spirit was more troubled. He's going to come to a place where he's going to get a view of who God is and the sanctuary of God and the temple of God, the presence of God, and, and, and his foot that had almost slipped will now be on a more stable place. When we look and we complain, it never leads us to where we want to eventually get to. Dr. Dale Robbins in a famous book said this, I used to think people complained because they had a lot of problems. But I have come to realize that they have problems because they complain. Complaining doesn't change anything or make situations better. It amplifies frustration, spreads discontent and discord, and can invoke an invitation for the devil to cause havoc with our lives. I don't know if you, I, I'm, I'm trying to lovingly, hopefully, get the point across that when you complain, you're really rehearsing your problems and increasing your frustration. If you want to overcome 
the frustration that starts speaking blessings, start stopping complaining, and you'll move forward. Listen, one of the things when I'm doing counseling sometimes, um, let's say that I'm in a situation where one party, like, let's just go brutal here for a second. Let's say that one spouse has done something um, to offend the other spouse. Anything from uh, words to acts to immorality to deeds. And I will say to the person who's been offended this, limit the number of people you tell this story to. Not because you're hiding it, but because the more you say it, the more you rehearse it, the more it becomes a part of you. Instead, keep it to just a few who will pray for you and then start speaking blessings and prayers over the spouse who's offended you. And for some people, it's so foreign to them to even think about that they can't get their hands around it. But the Bible, I think, is true in this. That really, we bring, our, we bring our cares before the Lord. Even in intercession, we can bring our cares before the Lord to present our requests to him still in a spirit of thanksgiving. Have you ever thought about that? Make your, we're going to come to that passage. Make your requests known to the Lord. But how? Out of a spirit of thanksgiving. God, I got these problems. It's incredible. Thank you that you're building me up. But God, here's my request. At the same time. All right, so first point is this. Quit complaining. Second point is this. These are going to be the three most obvious points I've ever preached in a sermon. But uh, the second point, realize how good you have it. Can you stop for a second and just realize that God has incredibly blessed you? Command those, it says in Timothy. I'm skipping to another book, but I I like the way Paul says it in Timothy. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Listen, I, I, I know we don't speak this message a lot, but God actually provides everything that he's given you so you can enjoy. We, we don't have to live a life of misery. God has given what he's given us for our enjoyment. Now, listen, we reverse it. We think what's going to bring me joy is for God to give me more stuff. And that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying God has given you stuff so that you can enjoy, but it springs out of an attitude of, uh, of gratefulness. He goes on and says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up for treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So that they may take hold of life that is truly life. Now, how am I doing? Okay, so here's the point on, time, uh, on, on this. Is that we, we in America, I, I don't care who is in this room and how little resources you have you're still in the top 10% of people on the planet. On the planet. And so you may look around at this room or Vestavia or just where you are and think and think to yourself, I don't really, I, I really don't have it that good. No, no, you've got it great. You have the freedom to come and worship here this morning. You have the freedom still to make 
decisions in your life. You've got resources that God has provided for you. You need to realize how good you have it. God has blessed you in so many, so many different ways. There's an author. Let me give you his name so that you can look it up and give the book. Uh, Robert, his name is Robert Roberts. And the book is called Spiritual Emotions, A Psychology for Christian Virtues. A book I, I, I had for a long time. He talks about the three bennies. It kind of seems funny. Bennies, B-E-N-E. Benny is the Latin prefix for good. God has given us something good. And so the first Benny he talks about, or some of you understanding, is benefit, benefit. In other words, it is what God has, it's, it's what you've got. You've got a benefit. You've got something that you've received. It's the something that you've received. This is a benefit. You've got health. You've got money. You've got a house. You've got a car. You've got, a, you've got a, a, a people. You've got friends. You've got benefits that God has given you. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He's given you. They come from God. We need to realize that we've got it good. And then we need to really realize that these good things don't come from nowhere. They come from a benefactor, someone who provides it. The things you've got, the good things, come from a good source. They come from a good, good God, which we sing about. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. You've received these benefits, these incredible benefits. Now, I've not even mentioned the truth that you were once lost in darkness and sin, right? You were separated from God. But God in his love and his mercy gave you his son so that you could come in relationship with him. You, it's And the benefit is you're now part of the family of faith. You've received a benefit. No matter what else happens in life, you're a child of God. And why? Because the benefactor, the one who is good, has given you this incredible gift. And that is what makes you the beneficiary. You are the recipient of the good. These three things, the benefit that you've received from the benefactor who's given it as a gift makes you a beneficiary. No matter what else happens, God has done great things and you need to realize how good you have it. Rather than seeing the lack, see what you've received. Robert Emmons says, the self is a very poor place to find happiness or meaning in life. Gratefulness is, no, is a knowing awareness that we are the recipients of goodness. See what God has done in your life. See the great things that he's done. R- really, folks, I could, I could stop here, and if we did this, we stop doing the negative and start doing the positive, quit complaining, the negative, and realize how great God is in our lives, it would change many of our perspectives. It would change many of our outlooks. Honestly, you probably have more friends. 
You probably have more people. I, I just think there's an attitude. You would definitely stand out like a star on a dark night. Third point, final one. Express gratitude freely. Don't be so stingy with your gratefulness. And then, in other words, start speaking it. Don't just speak it. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving, people. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. He is our benefactor. And we've received the benefits and his love endures forever. As you said earlier, his faithfulness continues throughout all, all generations. Years ago, I took my family to the happiest place on earth. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I took them to Disney World because I'm a good dad. And, um, just kidding. Now, I've talked about this before. Come see me, see Brian Shoup. We've talked about this before, but don't, do not go to Disney World without a plan. Have your plan, draw out your plan, map out your course, know what you're going to do, know where you're going to go first, know what time you're going to get there, have reservations for lunch and dinner. You know, if you want to have a good time at Disney, it takes planning. And money. Lots of money. I remember, my kids may or may not remember this, but I remember driving into the Disney parking lot. And I'd been to Disney a bunch because I lived in, in Florida, so I knew kind of the plan, the layout. And I literally had a printed program to, to attack Disney World. There's a plan that Kathy and I were going to look at. I stopped the car. I remember this so clearly. I stopped the car. I turned around and I looked at my kids. And I said to them, I do not care what happens today. But we have spent a lot of money and a lot of time to get here. And you will have fun. <laughs> you know, all these eyes in the back. Yes, sir. We're going to have fun. I don't care what happens. I don't want to hear one complaining word from your lips as this day goes along and we have a great time together. <laughs> because, see, I know my kids because they're mine. They're like me. And too often, they're in the middle of the happiest place on earth. And rather than just saying, wow, isn't this fun? What a great time we're having. It can quickly melt down because I think at 5 o'clock every afternoon, the happiest place on earth becomes Meltdown Mountain. If you look around, you'll see the kids laying on the pavement screaming their heads off. It's, it's what happens if you don't feed them right. Clue. Anyway, if you don't feed them and take care, you've got a plan and you can have a good time. Point is this. We have been graced with the unbelievable truth that we are now part of God's family. How dare we look around and say, you know, I'm kind of, 
I'm not seeing what I've got. I'm seeing what I don't got. And I'm going to complain about it. And I'm going to complain to people about what God hasn't done in my life. Rather than saying, God, thank you for what you've done. From from not complaining to realizing how good I've got it to, to, let's flip it. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Give thanks to his incredible name. Enter. If you're going to enter the presence of the Lord, do it with thanksgiving, knowing that only by his grace are you even there. Be joyful always, Paul says. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I talked about this Wednesday night. Quit. You can quit trying to say God's mysterious will is out there that needs to be like a little nugget of gold that I have to pan for. God's making me work for. No, God said to you, here's my will. Give thanks in all circumstances. Here's my will for you. Give thanks. Because he's given us such good, perfect Gifts from above. He's just pouring them out on us. Now, listen, I know we've had struggles. We've had hurts. We've had wounds. We've had stuff. I'm not trying to neglect that and say, okay, this is just about the power of positive thinking. No, I'm telling you, this is about the power of the presence of God that's been put in you. If you try to do this on your own, now I, I know I gave you three points that makes it seem like, oh, I just have to do these things. I quit complaining, realize how good I've got it, and I need to express gratitude freely, and I'll never have discontent. No, here's the point. You can't even do those three things without the power of God at work within you. Without his power and presence and spirit working himself out through you, you don't have the ability to stop complaining. You cannot bite your lips hard enough. I mean, you just have blood trickling out your lips because you'd be biting them so hard trying to not complain. It's just a part of us. But by the power of the Spirit leaning into him, we can do these things. That's how we stand out like stars on a dark night. Here's how Paul closes out Philippians. Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. Why did Paul have to say it twice? You don't have to look at them. They're just going to come up here and start playing and singing. They, they always do that. <laughs> They're just getting ready. Why does Paul say, rejoice in the Lord always? Hey, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Because we have a problem with rejoicing in the always. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. How do you present your request to God? With thanksgiving. Oh, God, I got another request. Thanks. I mean, it seems so. And do, you, do we really do that? Do we really come? God, I need healing in my life. Usually we say, God, I don't know why you're letting me suffer like this. Usually we complain to God about our problems. But would it change the progression if we came before his throne with thanksgiving? Present your request to God. And the peace of God, oh, here we go, contentment. The peace of God 
which transcends all understanding, it goes against your normal mind, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I know the richness of this passage that I can't unfold for you, but please meditate on this. And you'll see that there is a, there's a key here called thanksgiving that will unlock things in your lives. I mean, it's all about God's presence, but there's something about giving thanks that does great things in your heart, in your life. This past week, I read this. In the past nine months, 40% of all pastors have given serious consideration to quitting. 40%. Four out of every 10. These are pastors. I've thought about if I could do anything else, I would. If I could quit, I would quit. What are the leading causes? They're easy. Politics, pandemic, and people who are fighting among themselves, mainly about the politics and the pandemic and the vaccines and everything that's going on. And they're just at the end of themselves to say, I can't, our church is so divided. Listen, here's what I want to say. That's a request to bring before God, is it not? But instead of saying, God, these people you've given me, they're driving me crazy, I want to quit. Instead, say, thank you, God, for these people you've given me to shepherd and to pastor. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to say, thank you. What an opportunity we get to stand out in a dark world like a shining star. How? By loving one another, by giving thanks to one another, by rejoicing in the Lord. Paul he doesn't want to just hit them, but he wants them to be clear. He, remember, he's in prison, and he says this, I rejoice, great. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Two verses later, he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. I, I love this phrase because you know what it implies? You, you weren't very concerned for me, but I'm glad you've renewed it. <laughs> I love it. Backhand. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Paul's still rejoicing even in the difficulty of their circumstance. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Do you understand what Paul is saying? I've learned the secret to being content, and I think it goes back five verses to giving thanks. And the whole theme of the book of Philippians of giving thanks. I've learned whether in want or in plenty, I'm going to give thanks. Why? Because I can do everything through him who gives me strength. God is your provider. He has provided for you today. Jehovah Jireh, God, my provider. He provides for your every need. He takes care of you. So today, whether you need health, thank God and bring your request to him. Say, God, thank you. I'm still breathing. Whatever you have, you can give thanks to him about. 
And at the same time, say, God, thank you for the life you've given me with you and with this people. Thank you, God, that uh, I, I have a house over my head and a car to drive. But God, my resources are running out. God, could you provide? God, I, I, I thank you for the freedom that you provided for me already, but I need greater freedom. There are some things in my life that I need to walk in, in joy and in freedom for in the days ahead. God, thank you for the relationships around me, but I've got this one relationship, Lord, that needs help. Would you give me wisdom in making my way through this? God, you are my provider. Thank you for providing everything I need for life and godliness. Thank you, Lord, that I can rejoice in you. Give thanks to the Lord, all the earth, and bless his name. Shout for joy before him. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Stand up with me if you will. Lord, we thank you and we bless you. We praise you. We joy in you. You are a great God and greatly to be praised. Thank you that you provided. Thank you that from the, the goodness of your throne room you provided what we need. God, today we look to you and we say, Jehovah Jireh, you are our provider. And we thank you for the provision in our life. Lord, I thank you for the tough times because they're developing me into a man of faith and godliness. I thank you for what you're providing. I thank you for your deliverance in my life. Lord, today, I want to say thank you. Just sing this truth to him that you'll never be more loved than you are right now. No matter what else you're feeling, God is providing his love and life for you.
much more to give. How much more? 